Well, it's great to be here with you this morning, whether you're here uh, in, this, uh, in this sanctuary or whether you're over in the chapel or online, it, it's great to be able to uh, celebrate Christ with you. Uh, if my app is correct, we have 22 sleeps left till Christmas. 22? What are you guys laughing at? 22 sleeps. If you don't know that, you better get on it, man. It's, it's coming right around the corner. Um, but we're in this series, this Advent series, second week of Advent here, of great expectations. And we've been looking at the fact that we can look for what Christ offers in the stuff of earth, but we're going to find that it comes up way short. Uh, last week, we looked at the hope we can find in Christ. This week, we're going to look at the love we can find in Christ. Of course, the next couple of weeks, we'll look at joy and peace. Uh, but we can look at them. Uh, we can look for those things anywhere and, and, and try to find it. And yet they, they do fall up short. And yet Christ is the only one that not only meets our expectations, but I want to say exceeds our expectations. Exceeds our expectations. So we're going to look at the, the love of Christ that exceeds our expectations this morning. Uh, we've lit the, the second Advent candle, which of course symbolizes this profound love of God and the love that Christians are called to share with one another especially uh, uh, during the Christmas season when the birth of Jesus, who is seen as the embodiment of God's love, is celebrated. And, and, and Christmas means the celebration of Christ. And so every time we, 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 we wish someone a Merry Christmas, we're actually saying that may have a great celebration of the one who brings us profound love. Uh, this time of year serves as a reminder of, of this love that's so central to what it means to be in Christ. And it's not just any old love. In Scripture, in the New Testament, there's a word, agape. It's agape love. And, and we say agape love to sort of describe it, but agape is love. So it's not like love, love. But agape love is a specific kind of love. It's a love that's selfless. It's a love that's, that's unconditional. It refers to the, the love that God has for us. Simply, it's, it's, it's Christ-like love. Christ-like love, it involves showing love, compassion, and care for others even in the absence of personal gain. And it's considered a central virtue in Christianity. Uh, think about it. Think about it. God loves us even when we didn't love him. Like, like God cares for us even when we didn't care for him. God loves us on our best day and God loves us on our worst day. That, that's the kind of love we're talking about, the kind of love that I see in a person, for instance, who, like Mother Teresa. How many have heard of Mother Teresa? Mother Teresa, when she was living, she worked among the, the poor in the slums of Calcutta. In fact, she, she worked among the least of these, as the scripture describes them. In, in that culture, they were known as the untouchables. And yet she touched their life in such a profound way. She, she didn't just minister to them, she lived among them. And many times people asked her, why do you do this? You know, what, what do you get out of this? And her response was, was real simple. It's not what I get out of it. It's what I'm giving that matters. That God's loved me so profoundly, so how can I not love others? And I don't know about you, but I find that example a little challenging. Just a little challenging. It's challenging because it's so easy to go, well, yeah, of course God loves this way. He's God. But when we see someone like that exemplifying that love of Christ, what it shows us is not only can we all receive the love of God, but you know what I'm about to say, don't you? We could actually share that love with others as we're in relationship with him. God's love for his people is expressed throughout the entirety of the Bible. Yes, even in the Old Testament. In Jeremiah 31.3, 
The Lord's speaking to the prophet Jeremiah. And listen to his words. It says, the Lord, the Lord appeared to him from far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. Now, what's the context of, of this verse, these words of God spoken to Jeremiah on behalf of, of not just Jeremiah, but he's speaking to the whole people of Israel. Well, they're in exile. They've been conquered. They're not in the promised land. And, and so they've been dragged off to a foreign land. And, and many of them were probably asking, has God, has God given up on us? In fact, culturally speaking, some of them were probably wondering, can lo God's love extend beyond the promised land? We know in this time period that, that people believed in territorial gods. And so now they're in this foreign land and there's foreign gods that people are worshiping. And they're wondering, will, will God's love extend beyond the promised land? And of course, we know from scripture that there's only one true God. And that he exists throughout the whole world. This is all his realm. There are no territorial gods. that could, God is the God, right? And so this is what he's expressing to them. He's saying, listen, you're in exile, but listen, I'm, I'm, I'm your God. And through his prophet, God speaks to those in exile. And what does he affirm? He affirms that just as he had led Israel into the wilderness, protecting them from the sword of the Egyptian armies, his loving kindness will support them even in exile. Now, what's that have to do with us? Well, we're in an exile of sorts. We live east of Eden. I don't know if you realize that the world we live in is a broken world. This isn't the way God intended it. He wanted us to live in paradise. And, and that's why deep down within each and every one of us, we know something's just not right. And maybe you've asked the question living in exile, can God's love reach me here? Can God's love reach me in this broken place? Can God reach me in this broken situation? Does God still care for me? And the answer is a resounding yes. Yes. In fact, there's no place we can go, nothing we've done that's beyond God's loving reach. Now, I'll tell you, if that doesn't excite you the second Sunday of Advent, I don't know what will. Let me say it again. There's no place we can go Nothing we've done that's beyond God's loving reach. I love Psalm 36, 5. It expresses it this way. It says, your steadfast love, God, your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. That, that's a poetic way of saying is there's no limit. <laughs> Nowhere we can go, nothing we've done that's beyond the love, the, the embrace of God. And God draws us to himself through his loving kindness. When we have fellowship with God, we get to emulate these qualities to others. When we think about God's love, especially during this Christmas season, oftentimes, what do we do? We're drawn to the gospels, and rightfully so. Filled with examples of God's love, Christ walking among us. But I'm not going to go to the gospels. I'm going to go to 1 John 4. 1 John 4, 9 through 10. Listen, listen to these words. And this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so we might live through him. And this is love, not that we've loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. I love the fact that the scripture is so clear from beginning to end, that our relationship with God isn't built on our love for him, but his love for us. Because that means the love in which this relationship we have with Christ is built on is perfect because of his love. You know what I'm saying? Come on now. 
That's why I love to call the church a sacred mess. Messy because we're a part of it. (laughs) Sacred because he is. And if you don't think you're a mess, you've heard me say this before if you've been around here, you're the biggest mess among us. (laughs) Nothing worse than someone who doesn't realize they're messy. But God does something such, such, such brilliant work in the midst of the mess. In the midst of the mess of the circumstances of our life, the heartache of our life, in the midst of the mess of the world that's broken, what does he do? He has sent Christ to, to be our savior, to, to, to give us hope in the midst of all the things we go through. God understands we couldn't reach him, so what did he do? He reached out to us through the coming of Christ, who humbled himself. I mean, think about it. He, he humbled himself. He left the splendor of heaven. He took upon his divinity, humanity. He walked among us. And as I've, I like to say, as the one commenter said, he, he moved into our neighborhood. <laughs> and he's a propitiation for our sins. What's that mean? That through Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross, he's released us from the guilt and the penalty of sin, which is death. Now there's a gift. There's an act of love. God himself paid the price for our salvation. Think about it. Have you ever owed a debt that someone else paid for you? How nice is that? Right? Have you ever owed someone a debt and they've forgiven it? Well, because God is just, there was a debt that was owed because of sin. Not only did he he forgive it, but he paid for it because he's just and loving. Think about that. Had to be paid. We couldn't pay for it. Jesus did. That's why he came. Paul writes in Romans, Romans 3, 25 through 26. God put Jesus forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This way to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he has passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier, the one who has faith in Jesus. The just and the justifier. There's the gift of Christmas right there, but Christ came so we could be made right with God. He's just, someone had to pay the price. Jesus paid it for us. And he's the justifier. We're now made right in Jesus. I know it's raining outside right now. If you're watching during the week, it may not be, but it's raining right now. It's dry and hot in here. Think about what Jesus has done. What he's provided, what love. It's so easy to look at the world and say, well, it doesn't look like God loves us. And yet the reality of it is he invaded the world with his love. He's preparing a place for us because of his love. And it's interesting that John in in 1 John, he links believing in Jesus, catch this, with loving one another. Isn't that interesting? He says, if you have the love of Christ in you, you'll love each other. It reminds me of Jesus' high priestly prayer. He's praying over his disciples, and he's actually praying over us. He mentions those who will come after them. That's us. And he says, they'll know why I came for your love for one, because of your love for one another. Isn't that interesting? One of the greatest outreaches, one of the greatest witnesses we can have as a church family is to love each other with the love of Jesus. And the world looks at that and goes, that is such an interesting love. Why do they do that? And when they ask the question, we go, thank you for asking. It's because of Jesus and his love for us and his love for you. 
See, it's through knowing God's love in Christ that we're empowered by his spirit to love others. So here's the good news. Here's the good news. The second Sunday of Advent. Again, there's no place we can go, nothing we've done that's beyond the loving reach of God and, and his ability to use us to share his love with others. And his ability to use us to share his love with others. Remember, agape love is selfless love. It's selfless love. And perhaps many of us came to Christ, let's be honest, a little selfishly. We heard the good news and we thought, someone loves me that much, I want that love. Not a bad thing. We were created for that love. So, so don't think I'm, I'm getting on any of you. I was there, right? Still there. I want the love of Christ. How many want the love of Christ? But it goes beyond that, doesn't it? As we grow in Christ, we realize it's not just about his love for us. It's about us being able to share his love with others. That's agape. That's selfless love. God, help me not be a, a reservoir of your love. Help me be a conduit of your love so that it passes through me to the world around me. And yet the reality of it is we're, we're faced with so many challenges. So many challenges. So not just receiving the love of God, but sharing it with others. And I, I sort of wrote a few down, like suffering and pain. Suffering and pain. It's hard when we're in the midst of a difficult situation to feel love than to share love. It's difficult when we look at a world that seems so messed up and, and begin to ask the questions, well, if God is love, why, are, why is this, that, and the other thing happening? And, and we can go all into the, what the Bible teaches us. We live in a fallen world and Christ is going to come back and, and all the crud is going to stop. Isn't that good news? And many of us who are in Christ say, well, Jesus, come back today. And we forget you wouldn't be saying that if you weren't in Christ today. So Peter tells us he's not slow in coming back. He waits because there are those who haven't chosen him. And when he comes, game over. You either received him or you haven't. So it's because of his love. Don't raise your hand. How many of you have family? How many of you have coworkers who don't know Jesus? That's why Jesus waits to come for them. That's reason. That's love. Come on, church. Think about it. In fact, one time I was sharing with a friend. He was asking, well, God loves, why doesn't, he, why doesn't he just make everything right? And I say, he's going to, but he's waiting. And he says, why is he waiting? And I said, well, he's waiting because he wants people to come to know him as Lord and Savior. And once he comes, that's done. And he said, well, what, what are you saying? I said, I'm saying if you came to Jesus, he'd be a little closer to getting back. <laughs> I was thinking about lunch. But I said, you're holding him up, man. You're holding them up. Come to Jesus. Get on with it. Last week, we talked about commercialism. Isn't it crazy that we see Christmas all around us, and yet so much of it distracts us from Christ? How about expectations and stress? How about distractions of all kinds, changes in family dynamics, doubts and questions? I think we've all been there, right? How about envy and comparison? Even at this time of year, right? Why do they get that? Everyone else's life seems easier sometimes. But let me encourage you this morning. Let me challenge you this morning. Don't let, don't let your desire for someone else's blessing rob you of the blessing God has for you. I'm going to say it again. 
Don't let your, your envy, your jealousy, your desire of someone else's blessing rob you of the blessing that God has for you. The blessing God has for you. Overcoming these challenges often involves what? Refocusing on the true meaning of Christmas, engaging in acts of kindness and service, seeking support and community, and spending time in prayer and reflection to connect with the very message of Christ. In fact, I've really been meditating on this lately. And I, I really truly am, am understanding, if I understand scripture right, that, that many who are Christians who don't have Christian fellowship and say they don't need it probably aren't being stretched in their faith. Because those of us who are saying, Lord, stretch me, desires deeply to have those around us who are encouraging us to press on. And so I'm starting to realize, I mean, I've been a Christian for, for decades uh, you know, it's, well, I, my goodness, why did I say that? But I have, and, 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 and I'm finally getting it that when I, when I come across a believer, it says, I really don't need the church. That I have to question, what are they doing for Jesus? Because the more I step out in faith, the more I need my church family around me. Come on now. <laughs> and, and if we're going to understand the love of God, we're probably not going to do it as isolated believers we're probably going to understand God's love more as believers in fellowship of other believers who are growing in the love of Christ and sharing it with one another. And the good news is we can experience that here this morning. Lord Jesus, share your love with us. Let's share his love with one another. I mean, think about it. God's expectant love is exemplified through the sacrificial love demonstrated in Christ's birth, his life, his death, his resurrection. The birth of Jesus, humility, humility. The scripture we read said, it's not that we love God, it's God loved us and that he saw our predicament. Instead of saying, well, I'm God, they're only human. They're gonna have to figure this thing out knowing we couldn't. He came, he came. And maybe the problem is, is that we can be so selfish, we think we deserve that. Come on now. It's getting quiet in here. This is Christmas time, right? By the way, you have to love me. That's what we've looked at here, right? <laughs> but maybe we think we deserve it. We don't deserve it. He gave it. That's humility. We serve a humble God. The life of Christ, not only did he teach about love, he exemplified it. He exemplified it. In fact, the religious leaders of the day constantly criticized him. And why are you hanging out with those people? You know who those people are? That's you and me. And Jesus, I came for them. In fact, the only people I find in the gospels that Jesus spoke hard to were the religious leaders. He's like, why don't you get it? Everyone else, he speaks a little softer to, it seems like most of the time. How about the death of Jesus? I often think of Christ on the cross and, you know, if I was there, it says he had the ability to call down legions of angels. And I wonder, do I have the fortitude and love to actually hang there on behalf of others without saying, Lord God, sick them? <laughs> right? Hey, if, you th if you're God, they yelled to him. Why don't you just take yourself off the cross? How many of you, seriously, without the spirit of God in me, I'd like, not only am I going to take me off the cross, you wait and see what I do with you. 
Humility. Oh, Lord God, make me humble. Amen? Lord God, teach me how to love. He exemplified it. And the resurrection to me speaks of triumphant love. If you doubt God's love, if you doubt his ability to come back and and change everything, just look at the resurrection. Jesus is a living God. His very spirit resides in us who are his followers. In short, it's the birth and the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. They all serve as a profound demonstration of God's expectant love. And through these events, God shows his unwavering desire for a loving relationship with each of us and his eagerness for our reconciliation, redemption, and eventual reunion with him in his eternal presence. Now, that's a Christmas message. That's something to embrace. See, there's no place we can go, nothing we've done that's beyond God's reach or his ability to use us to share his love with others. Imagine with me. Imagine with me a child eagerly awaiting, eagerly awaiting Christmas morning. They've expressed their wishes and dreams each day leading up to Christmas. They look under the Christmas tree. My um, young grandson, Liam's living with us. Every day he goes, this today Christmas. When it snowed the other day, he said, it's Christmas. I'm like, it's not Christmas. He's got the advent calendar now, to which he totally doesn't get. He's like, why don't I just open all those little windows right now? Then it would be Christmas, right? I mean, his eyes sparkle, you know, the hope and joy of knowing something wonderful is coming. And this child represents each of us. And Christmas morning represents the birth of Jesus. The the child's hopeful anticipation mirrors our expectation of love that we experience only in Christ and only because he came that first Christmas. Here's the gospel truth. Here's the gospel truth. Just as a child's excitement is based on the belief that something extraordinary is on the way, our expectant love at Christmas is, is rooted in the belief that through Jesus, something extraordinary has already happened. Something extraordinary has already happened. It's the love that was born in a stable. It's the love that Jesus expressed through compassion and grace when he walked among us. It's the love that Jesus showed when he died on the cross and rose from the grave. It's that expectant hope and love that we get when we enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. The expectant love we experience at Christmas is is really a reflection. It's a reflection of the profound hope and joy that comes from knowing that Christ, the embodiment of God's love, has entered our lives. And, and, And that's love beyond expectation. That's love beyond expectation. As I think about what God has done for us, the love he's shared, my answer, my answer to a world who's seeking for that love and has yet to find it, is why not receive them? Why not receive the gift? Just like I said to my friend, what are you waiting for? Be a part of them coming back, changing everything. Don't let the distractions around you keep you from Jesus. Don't let the world keep you from Jesus. Don't let hurt keep you from the healing love of Jesus. And I want to say this morning that no matter where you find yourself, 
no matter what you're going through. I can't promise you if you come to Jesus, you're still not going to deal with some of those things on this side of paradise. But he's going to give you everything you need to be victorious. You don't have to do it alone. He calls you into relationship with himself, into his church family. So that we can know his love and share his love with others. Again, let me say, now that is love beyond expectations. That's what God has for you. However he's calling you to respond, won't you do that this morning? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the joy of just being able to gather here with my church family. I thank you, Lord God, for just being able to, to sing praises to your name, to be able to, to look at your word, to be able to experience you through your word. I've often said that when people ask, does God speak to you? I say, every time I open up the Bible, <laughs> every time. And this morning, the words you've spoken to us are words of love and power. Lord, I don't make light of the challenges we face, the challenges that can keep us from, from experiencing the love you have for us. Those challenges are real. But Lord, may we not allow those challenges keep us from the joy of being in your love. Help us, Lord God, encourage one another. Help us, Lord God, pray for one another. Lord, even at this moment, may we reach up and ask, Lord God, would you just prove your faithfulness to us? And you have shown us time and time again how faithful you are. Would you prove your faithfulness to us as we reach to you that you would just grasp us tightly to yourself? I pray for the brokenhearted that you give hope, Lord God, for, for the person here who feels alone, but they feel the community of you and your church, Lord. For the person, Lord, who, who needs to be delivered from this, that, and the other thing, but they would trust, Lord God, that you're a God who delivers, you're a God who redeems, you're a God who loves. On this second day of Advent, if there's anyone who's yet to receive you as Lord and Savior, why not right now? Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for our sins, being resurrected for our salvation. We proclaim you, Lord God, as the Savior and Lord of our life, the lover of our soul. And Lord, I pray that as we receive your love, you would teach us how to love others as you have loved us. Make us an example this season, Lord God, of what it means to be in your love and to love those around us. God, I praise you with my church family for how all-encompassing your love is. And so it's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen.